Cold Opener, a vote for the Piketty plan now is a vote for the Morgenthau plan in five years. That's our episode. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Uh, yeah. Bye. Before you. we get into the serious um, talk, I do have a little update from last week. Mm. Um, so, for th well, let me introduce it this way. Does anyone Has anyone ever heard of Archive of Our Own? No. no, no. That sounds very Nazi, though. But go um, hmm. well, Archive of Our Own is a nonprofit open source repository for fan fiction (in parentheses fic) mm -hmm. and other fan works contributed by users. The site has received positive reception for its curation, organization, and design, mostly done by readers and writers of fan fiction. I feel like I know where this is going. <laughs> now, last week I promised that we would read some Merkel and Macron fan fiction on the <laughs> show. Oh, now, yeah. I am hang very on, sorry. Hang on, hang on. Fan fiction or slash fiction? Yeah, that's there the question. There is a difference. Uh, I'm reading fic. Okay, it's just called fic, an archive of our own. Because mm. they're archive of our so own. So you entries. mean the German word fic, and it's just going to be all them <laughs> fucking. Is it like CK? <laughs> I am very sad to report that I did not find any Merkel and Macron specific fic. Um, maybe I they, can't tell you what maybe I they're like find. existing in two separate universes, and I'm like, one day we're gonna get the crossover episode. So let's be patient. I am impressed. Um, how many? There are 24 Angela Merkel tags in the archive, uh, in various languages. Nice. <laughs> um, I'm just gonna give you um, a quick taste of what we have here. Imagine a just lot like of the Greek fan fiction is just being just like slasher films. Being fin domed by her. That or the exact opposite. You know, you guys yeah. are talking about million-dollar ideas here yeah. uh, because there's a lot of room to expand. Very popular is the Macron, Justin Trudeau. Oh, um, wait, is Vladimir Putin and Donald Trump? Trudeau, oh, boring. Come on, yeah. Yeah. Um, what is this like? Like this wine moms tweeting? I'm pretty sure. Hang, that hang on, is there any um, Digimon slash Receipt Erdogan? <laughs> Like I said, there is <laughs> a an idea of mine for a while. There is a lot of room head. to grow here. Okay. Some are a little more, uh, I like this one, for example, a little more unique. Uh, Theresa May slash Arlene Foster, one-sided. Oh, <laughs> one-sided. That's so sad. <laughs> Kieran, should I, read, should I read that one for you? No, it's all right. Save that for a more like Irish or British themed episode. Um, so is there one that you want to share? One oh, well, well, here's one I'll, I'll read a little. What I like about this website is that they have the tags for uh, who is romantically or sexually involved. And then they have the <laughs> tags for just everyone else mentioned in the story. Oh, cool. So this one is called uh, Frau Kicks, Forbidden Love. Um, <laughs> and under the, the special tag, you have Frau Capetri and Beatrix von Storch. <laughs> uh, but then you have a whole list of everyone else mentioned in the story, which is really Alice Weidel, Sarah Wagenknecht, Angela Merkel, Martin Schulz. And you get a little, you know... You you can see in all the different directions the story goes. So that, I'll, I'll just read a little across the a little quote exactly. <laughs> They're all there. I was curious how they mentioned um, these people. <laughs> I'm just going to read a little bit for you guys as a little taste of cool. what German politics are like. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm jumping into the middle. <laughs> we have some uh, descriptions of how good Beatrix looks. Uh, it's written from the point of view of Frau Petri. Yeah, okay. I was about to say like that. She looked, effect. Um, <laughs> she looked like exactly the dream woman of my miracles and dreams, including the fact that she looks like a charming and splendid doll. 
That is the worst written <laughs> sentence I've ever heard in my entire life. Uh, skipping down a bit. Holy shit. Let me set the scene. Hang on. This isn't going to be quality literature. She's a dream like... girl of my dreams who looks dreamy. Like, that's literally what that just was. Stop saying said. my vows back to me. Uh, Nick, if you were in love as Falca Petri is here, then you would know I would just that be you lost can't for words. words. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. During this moment in 11 a.m., it was the speech of the far-left leader of the Party Die Linke, the left, Katja Kipping. Again, they used the same words over and over and over. She was wearing usually red clothes, but this time she was wearing black cardigan with a combination of red dress with long sleeves, a little above the knees with black pantyhose and black mini boots with jewelry. So she's Again, I have to I have to remind everyone this is from the point of view. Sexy income. This is from the point of view of She's just throwing bricks at the glass ceiling. This is the G20 protest, right? Frau Kipping was delivering a speech on the newest law, which we would vote on in the... It's, there's a lot of spelling errors. Vote in in the Bundestag. And if it receives plenty of votes, we pass it on officially and it is enforced in the end of the year. As always... <laughs> 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 Thanks for explaining that. As you always... Get, you get sexy descriptions of Ancom outfits and you learn how the German Bundestag works. Like. And you know who's really defending Germany. As always, we, the alternative for Germany, are against every party's <laughs> opinion and beliefs by being in alliance with the citizens of Germany. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that breaks it down. <laughs> okay. I was quite bored to listen to a communistic speech. That brings me a slight headache. And I decided to glance at Beatrix. <laughs> Noticing how her green, brown, magnificent, and pensive eyes were gazing blankly in a bored way to the Dilinka's leader, wearing a grimace face, frowning. Honey, that's just how, how she always looks. Yeah, right. <laughs> she was feeling like she was drowning into the seas of nightmares, or who knows. Again, that's just her normal facial expression. Why, why do I feel like this sexy slash fic is going to bring up the like black book of communism or something? Like the death toll? <laughs> why do I feel like that's the direction this is going in? Um, I can't go. Th- and then she describes how, how great Beatrix looks. Um, I can't read all of this. <laughs> uh, yeah, and D-Link is chief finished delivering her speech. And um, Frau Capetri needed to go downstairs uh, for a... To, to go speak and deliver the next speech for a few minutes regarding the upcoming law, taking with myself the speech in case if I forget any phrase or word. Yeah, it's really... What is the I, law going to do? <laughs> in terms of the hero's journey, I mean, where's, where's, where's it, is this going? I mean, you need like a call <laughs> to action and like... I, point I, of no return I and feel so like with the Dilenka politician I'm assuming that was like the belly of the beast moment <laughs> and now what was the law about that's what I'm uh, that's what I want to know what, what's the actual it was making Germany policy? illegal oh no yeah. shit you don't need to know it was communistic boring and literally causes nightmares on anyone who listens to it <laughs> from this description <laughs> so it's got my vote yeah definitely <laughs> boring communistic and causes nightmares sick most importantly okay we're gonna write this as an end very hot <laughs> Uh, so that's all I got for this week. Um, I might dive back in in the coming weeks because there's a lot of great content on here. And I want to support, uh, you know, we're independent creators on this podcast. And I want to support other independent creators on the internet. Um, a lot of respect for the work they do. Do they have a Patreon account? I, you know, I haven't found out. There are a lot of comments on them, actually. Um, so that story, for example, oh, hang on, has... Hang on, one of the comments. Yeah. Only four comments, actually. So we can read all of them. <laughs> Please do. Um... First one's in Spanish. Skipping that. <laughs> yeah, I, I can read Se- Spanish. Second one is also in Spanish, and the other two are responses. So yeah, I give it to me. I will. <laughs> I will read it. Yes, please. Es una historia maravillosa. 
Y yo quiero saber quién es Beatrix de Storch. ¿Dónde está la sex? That's almost American democratic debate here. Uh, from what I understand in Spanish, they're asking why, why did you include Angela? Um, because I didn't see her come up. And the explanation is, without Angie, where are we? Always a good question. I included her in the cover of the fan fiction because she is going to be among the characters who will have a main role in addition to the bisexual oh, couple. Fuck, this is a Carl Kriegs. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. So maybe the next chapter we can uh, oh, report on next week. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for reading my story, Rob. <laughs> it's good to get a shout out. Oh, God. This one is Marine Le Pen and Melanchon. No, oh, we're wow. stopping now. Nope, yeah, we're done. All right, cool. <laughs> this is like horseshoe theory before eroticism <laughs> like I don't understand <laughs> hey welcome to your weekly corner spatey we have a full house here like literally there is no room left in my living room for anyone else to come and participate so we got the whole gang uh, I myself am Nick and joined by Kieran. I'm not 14. You're not 14 with me. I'm 14 with you. Sorry, I've been pretending to be a 14 year old on Discord servers like all week. Rob? Uh, Nick cut my uh, bit about the anarchist Mark Marin last week, so I'm going to do it again. Mark Marinopoulos. Do you hate going to the voting booth? You can stay home and build dual power at home with anarchy.com. <laughs> you can't cut it out now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to still cut it out. Don't worry. <laughs> And, uh, and and Julia's here. Hi, I'm Kieran. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we got we we got two special guests here. Um, you know, coming in from the the big old European spring fun time extravaganza. Uh, we got we got Ja Rule. <laughs> <laughs> that, I did say that in my head to remember the pronunciation of your name. Like okay, like rounds with Ja Rule. <laughs> we got Ja Rule. <laughs> hey, what's up? And 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 uh, David. Yeah, hi. Uh, from uh, DM twenty five, or is that officially a D? I, I don't know. There's like seventeen hundred thousand different names for this organization. Which one do you guys prefer? Yeah, I prefer DM twenty five. Okay, cool. It's gonna stick with that then. Yep, you can't change it. <laughs> DM twenty five is good. DM twenty five. We can good. explain okay. the extensive structure afterwards. Cool. All right. Oh yeah. <laughs> this is this is a little bit like a like a skills exchange. You know, kind of like a alternative method of you know collaboration where we read you uh fan fiction and slash fiction and you teach us about political movements it's really an equal quid pro quo yeah th these are exactly worth each other did you like the story mm. we can do another one <laughs> i'm wondering is there a varifaka story yeah I, you oh. Know, I, oh hell yeah there is i've written all of them and <laughs> i don't know it's just me imagining he, he, that he's my father. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a minute. There's like a lot of angry comments for, underneath. For all the listeners that don't know that Yanis Varoufakis, a uh, former Greek finance minister, is the founder of the DiEM25 movement alongside of Srechko Horvat mm. and a lot of other outstanding people. And he's also my dad. <laughs> I didn't know these that. Stories no. <laughs> <laughs> these stories I wrote. These stories I've written. He is my father. <laughs> Nicodemus Varoufakis. <laughs> How did you spend 2,000 words of what is essentially just a small game of catch in the background? <laughs> <laughs> you playing catch with the Adams. But he's just confused. He's like, what the fuck is this game? <laughs> oh, 
God. Okay, so yeah, we're we're actually here to talk about serious things for once. I don't think we've talked about serious things in a while. Normal. I mean, I heard someone list back our topics to us once, and it was like we had someone from Endegalenda, we had someone from um, Deutsche Vonen, and I was like, oh yeah, we actually have not been consistently just doing dumb shit. I do love the dumb shit. Don't get me wrong, but we're here with some serious shit. DM25. The Master of Puppets. <laughs> Cue the Metallica song. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. So, um, I, I will do a basic-ish in- intro of what I think DM25 is, and then you guys will jump in and tell me how wrong and stupid I'm being. Um, <laughs> right, so DM25 was started... I want, like... A while ago, I want to say it was like 2016, 2017? 2016, yeah. 2016 cool. Um, and basically. It was a cold winter day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was the winter of our discontent. Um, so, yeah, basically a large movement, I should say, very grassroots, very grounds up movement that seeks to. Um, well, we should say DM25 stands for Democracy in Europe Movement. And that's the basic, like, short pitch of the goal, like, bring more democracy into Europe. Yeah, I mean, like like David said, it was founded in 2016 by Yanis Varoufakis and Sreczko Horvath mm-hmm. in reaction to the various crises that are existing in Europe right now. So Yanis is famous for his um, uh, role as Greek finance minister. Um, facing off against the Troika and um, the uh, trying to get a better deal for Greece, um, which didn't work out so well. Um, and in response to that, he um, set up this movement, DM25, uh, which is a pan-European movement. And the idea behind it is to have a left progressive movement, but that's that's pro-European. Um, because there are kind of two alternatives politically in Europe at the moment, or we're presented often with two alternatives, which are kind of the nationalist international of Marine Le Pen, Salvini, etc. And then on the other side, Macron and Trudeau um, of fan fiction fame. (laughs) um, Yeah, and basically the idea behind DM25 is that this is a false dichotomy and there should be another way, which Mm -hmm. is... It's a third way. (laughs) (laughs) DM25 is actually Dritte Weg exactly so we're now (laughs) not a left wing wing. (laughs) (laughs) that's that's the episode title right there (laughs) Um, but yeah that's the idea behind DM25 oh cool Um, and now we're going to we're going to be specifically talking to you guys about um, probably two things that you're working on at the moment which is the Green New Deal and you're calling it digital sovereignty Uh, technological sovereignty technological sovereignty um, but for anyone who everybody gets a waifu, everyone gets <laughs> fucking <laughs> hell. Uh, <laughs> um, but for those who don't know, beyond those two things, what else has DM like covered? I, I think just briefly, don't have to go into huge detail. But what else is like DM talking about proposing? As briefly as you possibly can. If you can't do this, it's fine. Yeah, this is the thing why we are called 25. It's not a reference to all those 24 websites we have. It's uh, actually we want to have, uh, how you say, constitutional assembly in 2025. Mm -hmm. That is the idea that people come together and write an actual um, uh, European constitution. Mm -hmm. And I think the idea is to have 25% of nation state representatives, 25% of 
uh, regional or municipality representatives, 25 randomly chosen people. And the last part is 25. Do you know what, what the last 25% are? Mm -mm. But also mm -hmm. a clever sought out uh, thing. And then <laughs> those people are going to call for, for or go, are going to prepare the, the calling for, for the European constitution. And this is one of our main things that that are a bit that has bit, been a bit um i'm sorry i'm i'm maybe the only german you're german as well mm -hmm. right yeah. so i'm uh, i'm stumbling a bit sometimes no oh, right that's fine but um that's like the most typical uh, german thing yeah. to do like oh i'm speaking perfect english i'm so sorry for uh, <laughs> <laughs> my, uh <laughs> continue continue please <laughs> yeah i mean that's the the kind of constitutional reform idea which i think is the long-term goal um, and the idea behind DM or one of the approaches that um, we've taken from the beginning is to say, let's have some practical reforms um, in the short term before we set up a constitutional assembly, because we want to get Europe working again and get people. Um, that sounds like such bullshit. Get Europe working. Again. But, <laughs> but okay. get people to trust Europe again before we set up, you know, some sort of big constitutional assembly, because people don't. People get tired of that, you know what I mean? Yeah. So as part of that, we want to introduce um, kind of pragmatic short-term solutions like the Green New Deal, which would use existing institutions like the European Investment Bank um, before we go to um, big constitutional reforms. Yeah. Um, yeah, like that for, for at least me personally, like that one um, policy point, the Green New Deal was like the one that, stuck out the most to me and maybe because like i said like i stand my daddy Giannis Varoufakis but that like like the idea then of like of, of of taking um you know having a an idea then of what you want Europe to be in 50 years i think is is nice and, and fun to kind of pretend to yourself of what then that reality could potentially be however we're not in like the mechanism of history to then even like remotely consider that especially like not now with like you know the the you know rise of right-wing nationalism and stuff like that but there are things that um like that program specifically is like you know kind of like reading through and be like okay this like this makes sense and it would actually transition europe pretty quickly to you know green energy green technologies whatever mm -hmm. it is um that is um like across the political spectrum I think that like most people can agree on unless you're just like very openly like in the fossil fuel industry or something like that Poland. and what Poland Poland or you're yeah. or you're just you're, you're, you're just the country Poland, Poland. burning coal is cool yeah because <laughs> yeah. I mean because that's like a that's that's a big discussion currently right now like in the United States but is always then charged with the sense of that like oh because like AOC is bringing up and given the the US bill is like not nearly as comprehensive I think it's like as a declaration it's not yeah, yeah it's not even like actually anything of of substance in in my opinion but still like you know the idea is nice that that's there in the US but where I think at least you know we're going to talk about this more but like DM has like a pretty like uh uh um What's the word I'm looking for? Shit. No, I'm the one who can't speak English. <laughs> uh, like, like a pretty like like one realistic plan and two that like it could literally happen tomorrow if like things were put into play. You know. Like, yeah, I think it is. It is. It is. It is developed more or less. Yeah, I think that's kind of the the practical aspect of it. What differentiates the DM plan from say other plans that 
you know, from the European Green Party or others or the Bicchetti plan, for example, um, is that it doesn't rely on taxes. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea is to use the European Investment Bank and the network of public investment banks that, that we have in Europe to inject money into the European economy. Um, so you wouldn't need to change European treaties. Um, it's something that you could do today. Um, the mechanics of it um, involve um, the European Investment Bank issuing bonds on the secondary market. So investors, financial investors would, would uh, purchase these bonds. And um, the important thing, I guess, is is that the size of the program is adequate. So what we propose is 5% of GDP to be injected into the economy every year. Um, which oh, is a European GDP or yes. individual nation? Yes. Okay. okay. So that's to give you an idea. That's a lot bigger than um, what um, our new dear leader uh, Ursula von der Leyen is proposing, mm. um, <laughs> uh, which is uh, you know. Um, yes, you talked about. Uh, I think it's about a billion because there's this uh, adding to the, the confusion. There is this billion uh, trillion thing, like um, mm-hmm. the billion in in German actually translates to trillion in American, and billion in American is actually milliarden in Germany. So it's not the same. It's like <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, ten elevated to three difference. Uh, so, but she talks about a billion in ten years, right? Oh, so uh, one so trillion in ten yeah. years. That's a hundred billion every year, then. A thousand billion. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm so annually, a thousand uh, American billion. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Annually, it would be a hundred billion, right? Yeah, because ten years. Yeah. Of, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So one trillion. Wait. Yeah, one trillion in ten years. All right. That's what I Ursula von der Leyen. Okay. Fucking. I hate how German does that. Yeah, like, I'm sorry. Just use trillion. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. We'll stick to English now. No, no. I'm talking <laughs> about the German language as a whole. I mean, wait, wait, wait a minute. Was your speech in German or was it in English? Her speech was in German and French because she speaks French. Maybe maybe this is part of her plan. Maybe this is part of her plan. She was deliberately confuse people with numbers. Yeah, that could work. She wants to just go back to the old construction of the European Union where it was just Germany and France kind of hanging out and being big bosses. So, yeah. <laughs> For a long time, it was just France, and they really want to go back to that. Um, that's not going to happen. Germany's reunified now. It's a different it's a different ballgame. I think yeah. apart from, from the actual amount that we're talking about, it's... Or let's take take a step back because the Green New Deal for Europe is actually a mixture. Before that, we had a green uh, a New Deal for Europe and the Green Transition Pillar. Pillars are the the program pillars that DM has. The five pillars actually, of DM. Seven yeah. or eight, <laughs> and it's growing. We we might have a, a peace and and foreign policy pillar in in the future, but right now it's eight pillars, I think, or seven. No, you're, trying to, you're trying to outdo Islam here now. I see how it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And the New Deal is basically what uh, what Yanis wrote in his book with J.K. Galbraith and uh, what was this other guy, Sex or something, the modus proposal to save the Eurozone. Yeah. And some things he, he developed while he was Minister of Finance of Greece, like the weird thing he does with, with the tax system in the, in the country that... that the the how you say Hacienda um, the finance the tax uh, finance amt in uh, English the finance revenue commission can, can issue like uh, like an own currency based on on the tax you have you are supposed to pay and use that as a as a currency when the for instance the European Central Bank cuts you off of the payments and this is one of the ideas that were actually in the New Deal 
but GM in in late 2018 GM acknowledged that uh, that the green new deal is going to be a thing and that climate change is is an amount higher than we thought it was before not say we were surprised by it but we like any political movement we had to go with what the 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 constituencies um, believe about what is what is important right now and so it was kind of merged into this green new deal for europe which is actually not only um to save the economy uh, the ecology <laughs> how you say um the ecology the climate, yeah. but also um and the, you can elaborate on that yeah i think to, to invest in in actual jobs Yeah, I think that's a really important point which differentiates this from other plans, um, which is that it's not just about bringing us towards zero, net zero emissions, but also to tackle the economic and social crisis that we have in Europe. Um, we've got, you know, unemployment in Southern Europe is still, I mean, in Greece it's 20% and Spain close to 20%. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you could have buy youth unemployment to get almost to 50 if it's like right. under 25. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And we're told that the Eurozone crisis is over and, you know... Yeah, uh, growth in Greece has like just been flat for years. since 2012, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Or, what, 2009, I guess, actually, technically. Since before the Ahi vote. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the, yeah. the, the Greek uh, economy is flatlined and is not coming back up. But, hey, maybe Neathemokratia will change that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, <definitely. clears throat> yeah, and I mean, I guess you've, you've got that situation. You've got unemployment in Southern Europe, but you have, in Northern Europe, you have um, precarious employment, right? You have low-paid employment. Yeah. Um, in so, Germany, too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so <clears throat> the idea behind the Green New Deal is that It can only be a Green New Deal for Europe, a true Green New Deal for Europe, if it tackles social inequality. Social inequality within Europe okay. and then also between the global north and south. Yeah, but that's something yeah, I was thinking about as well. Um, because, I mean, if you like want to take the turn to a more environmentalist, like uh, climate... Um, Uh, climate friendly yeah economy um that also includes a lot of like um industry um sections being laid off for example so is there like actually a plan to to i mean to try to get people that are employed in these kind of industries right now to get them back to I don't know, like re-education or something like that. Re-education is the one word. DM idea. has re-education <laughs> camps. Right. No, no. DM actually ah, practices YouTube. No. You really, really can't help yourself. The possibility of finding a different like employment, you know? Yeah, because I mean, yeah. th this was um, something that was like often touted as one of the failures of like the Clinton campaign. Mm -hmm. She talked about making this green economy, but. Um, Kind of also talked about closing coal mines mm. without really any plan for the coal workers, which exactly. is yeah. an entire state in the U.S. That's like yeah. West Virginia. Um, so, like, yeah. So, I think that this has often been a thing in the English-speaking world. The American Green New Deal mm -hmm. isn't often talked about. Like, the people who are directly going to lose jobs need to be taken care of. Yeah. Not just there will be more jobs because those jobs will be somewhere else. They will be for other people. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And especially because, like, there these people are then quite kind of put off by the idea of losing their jobs. I mean, through a green new deal, and it's and nobody fucking talks to them. I mean, nobody's like saying, "Yeah, here is an idea, and I have a solution, or I have an idea, like how we can solve this problem that you're gonna fucking lose your job." Sorry for the fucking. <laughs> I think that's hey basically yo. where the yellow west movement came from, like uh, economic wise. Mm -hmm. That's exactly yeah, the yeah, thing exactly. about why yeah. it's not a tax-based policy. Like, not one exactly. of the, yeah. the 
not the reason, but it, it, it definitely was like in a, um, I was reading the rebuttals from Galbraith and I forget the other economists, the other one who also wrote the book with Giannis yeah. defending his plan against, uh, against Piketty using that, the yellow vest as the exact example of like, you see what happens when you try to then, you know, raise taxes True, on the middle yeah. and working class. Like they're going to get pissed and they have every right like, to be pissed about that. Fucking yeah. regressive yeah. tax. Like, yeah. Taken, like a VAT. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like yeah. liberals just like fucking wet their pants over this idea that then like taxation can solve everything. However, when you control your entire own currency and you can issue your own bonds and they do it all the time, mm. you know, Everyone's talking about like MMT being this like magical new thing. It's always been a thing for capitalists. Like the financial crisis proved that exactly to be true when you can just, you know, a trillion dollars just appears out of nowhere, appears out of nowhere in quotations mm. and gets injected into commercial banks. You know, quantitative easing is also technically MMT too in that like, you know, method of thought as well. You know, like this has always kind of more or less existed, but never in a sense of trying to then revitalize the economy for the average person. You know, see, Nick is really into economics, whereas I think it's all stupid. <laughs> and fuck all of you. <laughs> uh, not wrong. I, I can I, I can summarize it for our listeners. Uh, to, to paraphrase Steve Harvey, if you print some money, print some mo. <laughs> 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 all right, but yeah, I want to hear answers. <laughs> no, I mean, I think the quantitative easing thing is a really good example because that's something like, um, you know, um, von der Leyen talked about one one trillion. We've agreed it's trillion, yeah. 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 Um, quantitative easing was like two point six trillion over a number of years. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I mean, this is people creating money out of um, nothing, which is something that a that a that a central bank can do. Um, and when we live, don't tell in, libertarians that they're going to flip their <laughs> shit. But when we live in a society or an economy where um, we have written into our constitutions that you can't uh, debt spend, you can't um, restraining fiscal policy, um, we need another way to do this, and it's possible, and we've already been doing it. So um, why not do it further to create jobs? Why not do it to spend it directly into the economy and not just pumping it into banks that are um, dealing with bad debt? And that's exactly the idea behind the Green New Deal, that you don't slap a carbon tax on somebody and tell them to stop eating meat. Instead, you invest and you create jobs and you have a more positive perspective for, um, for fighting climate change. Yeah, and to put it in context, I mean, we're asking for 5% of the gross domestic product and it's stating that in the year 2015, 6.5% of the global gross domestic product was spent for fossil fuel subven- subventions, or how you say it? In subsidies. Subsidies, yeah. So it happens, is what you're saying. Yeah. Like, these, these, these practices are already... Yeah, it's, it's a question of the political will, will yeah. and not of economo- economic, technocratic yeah. things yeah. that mm-hmm. can't happen because of some laws of nature. So that's pr- priorities. Yeah. <laughs> but so yeah, so back 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 to Julia's point because that definitely is one. So like the taxation one, obviously, is um, you know the big one that then liberals, you know, like I said, liberals fantasize about, but are bad for the working class and, and bad for normal people. You know, especially like with the uh, um, you know like the conversion from diesel to mm-hmm. 
um, you know, don't have a diesel car. Like, you know, that's <laughs> a big don't. one. But a lot of working class people that, have a diesel car. That is actually like what the AfD was campaigning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and that, that actually works. Like, like, that gets yeah, them seats in parliament. I love their European yeah. campaign. It really only worked <laughs> if you had no fucking clue who the <laughs> AfD was. I forgot, yeah. I forgot just how, like, dumb... I mean, compared to their past campaigns, like, a diesel campaign isn't that racist. But what, <laughs> what I... Like, I was looking it up last night, and I forgot one of their slogans was, Kind Diesel ist illegal. Which I'm like, oh, oh that, wow. that's a classic. Damn. Wow. Yeah. They can't contain themselves. Uh, just one point. I, I, I wasn't sure if you guys made just to mm. hammer it home. And like maybe the biggest problem with the with taxes is that, yeah, they are very <laughs> unavoidable for, for, you know, when you implement them in this way on the middle class. But they're extremely avoidable for the for the very rich. Yeah. In terms of tax havens and tax shelters, it's very easy for them to move around, Suspected to move their money around. It's fucking sports. So, like, it's it's both sides of that coin. It's, yeah. it's it's not only that they hit the middle class harder; it's that you can just like dodge that. Oh, shit. what I live also, in the Cayman Islands if now. You're rich. Okay. Um, also, at the same time, like, if you have an idea like Piketty has, you have to convince the nation state and the government of this state to to uh, introduce these taxes mm. and i don't see um victor orban or like anyone <laughs> of kaczynski he'll or do anyone it, but he'll only do it so that the tax that's like only like romas will be taxed yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah because 100% fuel it's a tax it's stop right i mean yeah. he has done a lot yeah. of weird tax uh, things and so yeah. why not <laughs> Why yeah. not? Do, no, seriously. Have you considered Viktor Orban? <laughs> <laughs> His whole fucking government is built on actually um How could rich, be more racist? Ca- yeah, rich middle class uh Hungarian families with a lot of children benefiting from his taxation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that's like a You literally get a tax break after your fourth child in like on non-working women get money, right? Yeah. Yeah. Non-working yeah, women yeah, yeah, get Yeah. yeah. So I mean I could see him introducing a tax on all meat except pork. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, but yeah, going back to Julia's point before we get distracted again. Is the Green New Deal proposed by DM25, does it have a particular plan for people who would be losing their jobs if we were to, say, abandon fossil fuels tomorrow night? I mean, the Green New Deal, just to maybe take a step back and give a give a um, mm-hmm. look at where it is right now. So the particular plan that we're talking about is the Green New Deal for Europe, Yes, gnd4europe.com. And it is, um, right now we have 10 principles. Um, so this is a campaign that's grown out of DM25. It's supported by the New Economics Foundation, the IPPR, other um, think tanks. There are some MEPs um, that have already... Yeah, Alexandra um, Phillips, for instance, from the Greens, uh, UK Greens. Mm. Exactly. So the good greens. Not the There's a, not there the are two Alexander Phillips. Greens. One is from the Brexit party and another one is from the Green Party. <laughs> oh, wait. Ah. But she's the one that is standing on farmers markets and, and slaughtering vegan cows. And <laughs> so, wait, um, this could be either one of them. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wait. Like, I was, I was like, wait. <laughs> Go on. So um, the, the stage that we're at at the moment is that there are 10 principles. Um, and the policy, the actual policy, is in the process of being drafted. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to be released in September for the global climate strike. Oh, cool. um, and in the principles, the 10 pillars that we have right now is a point about... Um, uh, jobs guarantee okay. um, so that yeah. would, would speak to your point um, and that's something also that has been discussed in the states by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez mm-hmm. um, and the thing that I find interesting about a jobs guarantee is that it's I mean in the past we took full employment as a standard goal of any yeah. government yeah. and now when was that? in the in the 30s? 
Yeah, I mean it's in the it's in the in the um German Stabilitätsgesetz. What's mm-hmm. what's it called? The the from way back when. Um not the thirties after that. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean how, how far <laughs> after that? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean five years or twenty years. <laughs> in in the post war period, right. there was a consensus and it was given as a standard that we need to the government needs to try and achieve full employment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard the last right. time I heard it was in the nineties. Yeah. And and now we live in in a in an era where unemployment is, as we said, twenty percent, fifty percent youth unemployment in Southern Europe, and we're told that that's normal, that's the new normal, that that's the crisis is over, um, and that's not acceptable. Um, so this is what the jobs guarantee is about for me: that people through this transition need to be provided with new jobs. Um, yeah, just kind of uh, going back to the thing with the uh, like unemployment and the the breakup of how Europe is that there's like the thing that I'm always kind of like turned off by a lot of like pan-European movements is like okay we did, we did a whole fucking episode about Volt mm. like oh, yeah. everyone everyone knows <laughs> my my, uh, my my qualms <laughs> yeah who's who's Volt I don't know go back to know, episode man. whatever it was <laughs> they're also the like the less popular episode of like um, I bless the rains down your Africa where we talk about the literal pan-European yeah 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 it's weird like, a lot of them are bizarre thing. yeah a lot of them are straight bizarre but I think that the thing that they never really like I think a lot of the other movements grasp it could just be because of how they're organized and where their organization comes from where DM's slightly different is that there's this idea that there isn't like like you mentioned global north and global south and like within Europe there's already that like that exists within like it may not be like you know a traditional sense of colonialism but it has colonial roots if you know the fucking history of like southern Europe and shit like that with you know especially like the Balkans um finance capital you could argue is a new form of colonialism whatever it is like there is still this mechanism of capital that then functions the exact same way that it always has to then differentiate within its own group that there are people then that are expendable to the sense that then you know whatever 20 percent unemployment yeah that's normal the greek economy is going to do fine now though because this new government got in place like let's see if we can get down at 15 or like whatever the fucking goal for 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 the new government is but still like nonetheless there is it like there's a oh, there's an acceptance of like most of europe that they're just like like um okay with this and how um like you know yeah volt or who's, who's the other pan-european movie there's also another one those loads yeah yeah yeah. Uh, but like who are like running on like uh on a um on a what's it called that aren't well i guess the other ones are just like right-wing groups right yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of organization and stuff on a pan-European level. There's some, like, weird orgs that have been around since, like, the 1910s that don't really do much other yeah, than yeah, organized yeah. picnics. Um, but a lot of the other ones are either, like, are either like you <laughs> know, this is, like, the, you know, national, like, international nationalism, which is bad, hmm. or the idea that then, like, Europe's just magically already equal and, like, let's just keep doing this. And I think DM actually, like, looks at that, like, realistically and is like, yeah, like... There is this mechanism already, like, you know, in power because of Europe was literally had to be made unequal for the economy of Europe to be stabilized. Yeah. And then there's the debt crisis of Greece proved that exactly right because of, I don't know. Sorry. Yeah. Rob. Well, Europe and the European Union and European discourse broadly is exactly the the big elephant in the room about all of this, because uh, it seems to me, well, first of all, just to take a step back, like as an American coming to Europe like living here and trying to understand politics like whatever is going on with this force you want to call european federalism versus uh um individual states is really the crux of the whole matter and if you're going to solve these problems on what levels will that be engaged with 
um, and on what what political discourse exists on those different levels. Um, DM25, as far as I understand, from the outset has always been a, a European project. Um, and I think it's somewhat unique in that regard in that there aren't that many left-wing European projects mm. in, in that way. There are a lot of left-wing parties in various states around Europe, and there are a lot of, uh, quote-unquote, Eurosceptical left-wing parties. Um, my question for DM25 would be whether there's uh, what structural uh, hurdles would you face in terms of trying to be a left-wing uh, pro-worker movement on a European level? Um, because just, all right, let's take, um, I don't want to pick on Ende Galenda, but let's take Ende Galenda for an example. Mm -hmm. You have a lot of committed left-wing comrades there who, of course, want to work. Of course, we want to work with the, the coal, the coal workers. Mm -hmm. We want to be in solidarity with them. And they can say that and believe it, but there, there but just isn't doing... the infrastructure there in order to yeah. stand side by side in these kind of protests. Yeah. Yeah. They are kept apart. And part of that is because mm -hmm. it is a grass, a grassroots movement and not a movement through any kind of, uh, labor union or workers mm -hmm. organization and can something like that be done through the European Union which doesn't have those same doesn't have any tools for that whereas they might be um, somewhat defunct but at least there are state parties that are that claim that going to be workers parties and labor parties that have that can be a means to that end like how do we deal with that with that problem? we have a metaphor that we are flying in an airplane that we are building while we are flying and it's it's is I think an old it's Soviet adequate. joke. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Yanis is always talking about things that can be implemented tomorrow morning, mm. like short term goals. There are midterm goals, and the long term goal would be like the European constitutional process. And mm. I think I'd, I'd I'd like to think about us as a Mount Pelerin society without money, like trying to achieve horizontal and um, what's another thing vertical vertical. vertical um, um, mechanisms to to reach things like we have people who publish books who write for the guardian who write for national observer i don't know who these american outlets uh, are but um interesting enough we are we don't write in german magazines apart from the ada magazine i think we don't have much press coverage here um because it's easier to comment from the outside i think but um of course we that's one one of the reasons why we why we were kind of forced to to have an electoral wing and to stand in the European election was that uh, our negotiations with some parties in Germany and other countries were like fruitless because it was not nobody was interested in having a think tank um, influencing their policies like mm -hmm. from outside. I, I I heard that is now happening with Labour Party that they have a think tank like every party in Germany has and. And before the think tank was trying to push their policies inside, and now the Labour Party is actually asking for policies, and this is something that that changes. And I hope maybe we can we can go for it right now as well, because after the election we are back in the think tank mode. And yeah, yeah, I find that kind of interesting because it's why is it why is it that on the left side, like in left parties, they're not very interested in in like think tanks or something like that, or like. We're pure and smart. We know everything. Yeah, no, but but that is actually <laughs> I, I, dividing the left, Julia. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, but you see that a lot on the in the conservative on the conservative side, especially like there's super big think tanks in the US, but also here. Yeah, and it's like the majority of think tanks. If someone says like, "Oh, I'm working at a think tank," 
it's probably someone who's like into conservative policies or something like that. Yeah. So I know the answer yeah. for that actually. All right. Tell yeah. Because uh, conservatives made think tanks. Like they literally started yeah. because of the conservative movement in the 1950s and 1960s. Okay. So the Elaborate. reason. <laughs> yeah. So you have then in like the like so this happens in like 1968 in the U.S. because think tanks are an American mm-hmm. invention. Not saying that there wasn't mm-hmm. policy made, you know from outside going in but typically policy within a nation was then done through you would have your people come around who would be like you know the best of the best and whatever and then they would be the ones that then you know try to create policy then in conjunction within the other members of cabinet which is still what happens obviously but it was much more centered on that sense than it is today so in the in the 60s in the wave of anti-communism that came through there was actually a consensus between academia and this isn't a conspiracy theory. This is like an actual <laughs> thing that happened between academia and the U.S. government or, you know, like the security mechanisms of the U.S. government. Mm-hmm. And they're like, all right, these kids are getting too freaking wild, you know, being Maoists <laughs> and whatnot. Um, how do we tame that? And so that's where you have then the development for like things like the business school, mm-hmm. because economics departments used to only be one thing. You would have economics, micro macroeconomics were taught typically at one institution. Now business schools are the complete opposite end of campuses normally at U.S. schools from the uh, from from the ec- uh, economics department. Um, and they'll typically teach complete different schools of economics. Mm. And at the same time, you have um, the, the the revitalization of then like the, the what's it called? The 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 uh, liberal consensus that then, you know, yeah. uh, you see everyone talks about uh, like how in the like, why can't we just go back to being great centrist like we were back in the 60s <laughs> to the 80s? It's because of an actual agreement between the yeah, parties yeah, that yeah. then in order to fight the communists, we have to pretty much agree about everything. Oh, yeah. Except for like little like nuanced things here. And the last thing was then the creation of these outside um, groups typically founded by libertarians. Mm-hmm. So um, one that you mentioned, like the the the, the Montpellier Society and whatnot. Yeah, I don't know the exact name. Pellerin, yeah. Montpellier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Pedigree. I mean, there's a great. I mean, there's a great. Um, Naomi Naomi Klein documents yeah. this in her in the yeah. Shock Doctrine in the book and the, yeah. the movie. And I was also, about to mention that. Yeah. There's also, uh-huh. I mean, the German TV show Die Anstalt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did yeah, a great yeah. um, episode documenting mm-hmm. all of this tracing. From Montpellier right to the Heritage yeah. Foundation. So yeah, all those economists was, went and pretty much yeah. made think tanks. I was actually kind of like because I thought George about George Mason it. University is a big one too. Okay, uh, because <laughs> there's actually because there is on the left side there is a, like a skepticism towards like technocratic mm. kind of like policy yeah, yeah, making. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense definitely because I mean you saw what happened in Europe uh, in the 90s and when when history ended we, what are you talking about oh yeah sorry yeah, <laughs> history ended Eastern like, Europe is fine yeah <laughs> they're doing great especially Hungary and Poland right. <laughs> uh, I, I think there's also like one other simple fact because like that's a very good like historical example of why it hadn't happened but there's also like I think a contemporary example which is think tanks are an industry that perpetuate themselves mm-hmm. to a certain mm-hmm. extent mm-hmm. and like there needs to be money in that and when you start coming out of politics that is like radically redistributing wealth then what think tank is going to back that is another thing like the only example to counter that which i'm quite excited about and i would love to see more of is the like um it's like the four or three p's the ppp yeah the pub uh, uh, popular public policy project yeah. which is like map- public pi- private partnership yeah, no no <laughs> uh, um, what's the other three p's of old i can't remember <laughs> the but the one that was started by i think, believe matt brunig 
yeah. and it is like a crowdfunded uh, policy project, and it is like they put forward the idea of an American sovereign welfare fund, um, how to make universal like childcare uh, up until like eighteen years of age, basically from like okay, nice. nine months yeah. before to eighteen years of age. Mm-hmm. Um, the Medicare for All program also comes from them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. So this is all like, but this only works cause I think because it is. One, you've got, like, one insane person, Matt Brunig, who's, like, dedicated to this, and then you have people willing to actually, like, do small donations with it. I don't, like, the, the funding structure of any other think tank is not going to work like that. Yeah, of course. Like, like yeah. when the right tries to find the billionaire behind the left, the best they can find is George Soros, <laughs> and he funds liberal projects exactly. at best. Yeah. Yeah. Or if you are a left wing project and then you start getting money from him, then you just magically become like neoliberal yeah. overnight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just um, yeah. just one euro or something or one dollar, and you. <laughs> but to bring it back on a concrete foundation, <laughs> the thing we are trying to do with the GND for Europe is to to have national uh, to have MEP champions in the European Parliament, like to convince them to to pressure and to to like for instance, Alexandra Phillips has us tagged the, the Twitter account of GND for Europe in her account. And this was mm-hmm. one of the things we asked them. We sent them a portfolio of, of things they can do. And the other thing is to connect with those grassroots organizations like Extinction Rebellion and mm-hmm. Fridays for Future mm-hmm. and whatnot. And to then raise the pressure until the the commis- commission president is actually we believed it would be Michel Barnier but now it's uh, surprise surprise <laughs> someone else from Germany mm. it's a German and <laughs> when she's inaugurated I don't know when this will be in September you know such things right? coronation um, Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah like her term starts in september and then we we want to make like a big uh, demonstration and um, side lined by by articles by public uh by by demonstration manifestations whatever and i forgot the third thing we are about to do like issuing uh, policy papers and send them around right and and of course involving um the public or at least the dm25 membership in policy creating so that's there is uh, a paper that is in a second iteration but now we want to engage the membership in actually crowdsourcing more ideas and then having them read by experts and having an actual really funded policy proposal for that thing because right now it's it's to be honest it's the 10 tenets and you have talked about it in the previously in europe podcast but behind that is a policy paper that's kind of work in progress. So um, we are we are going there, and and Karul was was part of this group, I, I believe. And but you are not anymore. Yeah, but just uh, to, to a further point on that, I think in the past year we've seen with Fridays for Future, with Extinction Rebellion, uh, and with even in the European election results, there is kind of a tendency towards these issues. There's an understanding, and that gives me a bit of hope that people, the public, are. Um, genuinely behind this and politicians are a little bit behind and so the green new deal for europe is um uh, the step how do we translate this um desire that's out there into actual policy so i have a quick question there which is you've mentioned uh, the green mep from the uk yeah um in terms of like support you said you had a couple of meps already on board with the green new deal what are their political leanings uh, or even who they are, where they're from, if you can remember, uh, broad strokes or yeah. 
frankly, I don't think that that we have too much MEPs on our side. Hmm. Uh, I tried to reach out personally to a, a, um, a person that is wor working for a green MEP, uh, freshly elected, and she told me that they don't accept like policy adv advisors, uh, how you say, it? policy advices from outside, and hmm. we should come to one of their grassroots meeting, like every member should. It's the German Greens. The German Greens, yeah, oh, right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Berlin Greens, and okay, yeah. I think this is kind of uh, where this. I don't know if you know the concept of folk politics that Nick Srinicic and Alex Williams pointed yeah. out in mm. their book, and that that actually keeping everything on the grassroots and horizontal level turns out to be a good, um, like uh, how you say, Beschäftigungstherapy for for people who play democracy. Keep them like, busy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like yeah. The, let, give them let, a false like, sense the big of people do the job. In the I parliament. totally yeah. fucking fall for that. I so would. kind of like giving them the false <laughs> sense that yeah. they are like yeah, and we can involved. We Gaia and whatnot. And yeah, yeah, hell yeah, yeah, we can. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's funny that That's you mentioned that. That's the real green new deal. Because uh, when I like. When I like briefly G and D for Europe, the G stands for Gaia. <laughs> the, green, the Green New Deal were the friends we made along the way. Because <laughs> uh, I was like, because the uh, I was asking Giannis about the uh, I, um, your father. My, yeah, I, was asking, name I was talking. I was talking to my dad. I was like, this. Papa, dearest, pa <laughs> Baba, tell me Baba. in the olden days. Um, no, so I was asking about like you know what is the cooperation with with you know, German Greens and with, you know, European Greens. And he just, like, came back. He's like, they're the most Stalinist party in all of Europe. I'm like, wait, <laughs> But, like, the description of that, like, kind of makes sense now. Yeah, I wouldn't go that far. No, but I just love his, like, over-the-top descriptions of everything. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. It's fucking good. Yeah, he has a point. He, he's really good in doing that. This, these things. I mean, when you have a video conference with him, He's like grasping everything that's in the room, and then he has always this threefold proposal he made, and everyone is satisfied by that. So I had the chance to have two or three video conferences with him, and one one time to talk to him and, uh, personally. And and he's really convincing because he has a, a gift to clarify things that are like only assumptions or it's only in the air, and then he's like sh having this razor knife and cut. Like actual, and he goes wild and out sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like just to return to, I'm going to rephrase my previous question again because I thought of a new way to say it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just, I mean, we, I think we haven't talked so much about the the exact proposals, but like I, th I think Nick and I were saying before we recorded, like a lot of it is people know what needs to be done, just no one's doing it in in terms of like what kind of infrastructure changes need to happen and what kind of proposals need to be implemented. Um, one of the big hurdles is how do you pay for it, which I do think DM has a convincing explanation for in terms of, you know, if, if there's going to be this thing like a centralized European bank and a currency, you might as well hijack it <laughs> and use it for your own ends. Um, but I think it's still I think the 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 third since we're speaking in threes today a lot. The third anyway. part um, <laughs> that I feel like is missing is um, uh, getting the people. I mean, I was enthusiastic about DM. I can't vote in Germany, but I said I probably would vote for DM. Mm -hmm. um, and they didn't even get a seat, which, okay, it happens. But we didn't I, do our vote episode <laughs> early enough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, no, but I think, to me, I can't help but feel like that somehow, I mean, DM25 has thrown in its lot with this European project. If there's, if, mm. if there's going to be this European democracy we have to engage on that level, especially for solving problems like climate change. But there's not that much. We talked about hijacking the European bank, but there's not what, how do you bring the democracy into the European Union? I mean, if we're talking about like just DM as a movement, 
I think that people, the the left wing critique of the EU that I understand is that it is a neoliberal institution serve and it can only serve these ends. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't hundred percent believe that, but when I see how uh, a European project is led, I mean. For example, DM25, uh, a big thing that is made about it are all the celebrity endorsements, which is cool. I'm happy all these people, all these thinkers are on our side, you know, like mm. we're, we're thinking the right things. Like um, but is that really, it, is, is that how you build a, a broad base? It, uh, like that's an open question for me because I want to fucking do it. And the question is, how do we achieve it? Mm-hmm. And before, I, I do want to say that I don't want to just shit on DM because the other pro-European parties are like, yeah, our, our plan for climate change is we're going to teach like uh, uh, startup leaders how to Vogue. And, <laughs> yeah. and like, so th- like it's nothing. And yeah, you can have full employment, uh, but if someone says something problematic, uh, they get fired immediately. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, that's like, so there's no plan. And so there is, a, like I said, the first, hey, 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 the first hey, hey, two hey. checks are there. I have there's a Green a New Deal. All right, how about this? How about this? I'm not, it's not, not, not a Green New Deal. I have a green alternative for Europe. How about this? Every worker is chained to their desk and they can't move. <laughs> so they don't have to drive a car anymore. And they there, just sit there boom, forever. they just sit there forever and they maybe die. But, you know. I, I, hang on now. I, I, don't, I think you're underestimating like uh, centrist pan-European parties' plan for um, the European answer to climate change, which is... Um, we pull our NATO funds, make a European army, and we shoot the climate. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the, we're going to have uh, 21 Euro drones. So they're all going to be green. <laughs> we um, did it. We're going to fund the European Evangelium program. Yeah. We're going to get Avos for Europe. <laughs> Avos for Europe. GDP towards uh, green uh, projects. How about 5% GDP towards drones? <laughs> that's green right yeah. uh, how many will that buy us 10 I, I hope that, that I hope that the, I hope that climate change is having a lot of weddings in Pakistan <laughs> uh, thanks for helping us avoiding the question <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I mean and I don't mean it directly at you two it's, it's how do we build the mass politics I mean that's yeah. that's the question of the that's always the, the question yeah. actually <laughs> like the masses how do we get them yeah. <laughs> I've read so much Lenin why aren't they listening to me yet <laughs> <laughs> that is a basic laughing um, question. But like the, going back to the vault episode, because like we did talk about seeing that one Polish girl who was brought into the vault spell and her trying to actually talk mm. to the people in Poland. And one of the things I quite liked about DM25 or European Spring was it introduced me to Rosem, which is a party that just by reading their manifesto, I learned to fuck ton about Poland because <laughs> I did no shit. Um, it, it is kind of like people are hard to reach. They can... The problem with Europe, problem why last election withstanding, the turnout was always going down. People don't really know what's happening with it. Uh, a little bit of democracy was introduced with the Spitzen candidate process, which is now gone, effectively, because Ursula was just pulled out of Berlin, I guess. Literally, yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, out of a tank. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she was hiding. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me go out there. <laughs> um, you saying that she didn't like triumphantly go into Belgium with the tank? What? Like, how <laughs> not German? Though. I was born here. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so were probably a lot of SS officers. <laughs> like Ghost Rider. Parody, parody, parody. No libel. No libel. Um, but. Yeah, so it is. I like we recognize that trying to bring like a mass movement, even in national politics, is a fucking uphill battle. But like Europe 
as well. What are your guys' thoughts on that? They can be your own. They can be DMs. How do we win? <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's a, it's a slow process purely because you have um, you have language barriers and you have culture barriers, right? Mm. And that makes it a lot more difficult than to build a movement within a country. That being said, DM has something like 60,000? 60,000? 60, I mean, it's, it's, it's a bit hard to keep track. There are newsletter subscribers. There are people that actually engage in the forum. There are people who engage in elections, which is only 10% of that, or maybe t sometimes 5%. But there is this this number between 60,000 and 100,000 um, newsletter subscribers who are actually also members because it's the barrier to become a member is really low. And and what we've also tried to do is build coalitions with other um, groups and other political parties across Europe. So in the European election, we had in France, Generation, who was a, a coalition partner, um, we had members of Generation who were here in Berlin yeah, campaigning us. with us. Mm. Um, Razem, you all already uh, um, mentioned. Yeah. There's a member of yeah. Razem, Johanna. The, the was one with the A with the, the circle from the Denmark. Party, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A Green Party. They have some, some seats in local parliaments, but they didn't make it in the European Parliament either. Um, there were two weird Spanish parties. I was not so happy about them because Podemos didn't, or Pod uh, Unidos Podemos didn't want to talk to, uh, uh, about us, uh, uh, with us. Mm. But, uh, and there was, of course, the, the founded Mera 25 in, in Greece. Yeah. Yes. And in Portugal, there was this Livret, I believe. I don't know too much about them. Mm -hmm. But also, this thing is not only newsletter subscribers. I, my girlfriend used to live in Sevilla and I was there where, when, when there was a DSC Sevilla to be founded or Andalusia. And it was really uh, uh, nice for me to be there and see that, that like 2,800 kilometers from Berlin, they are forming groups and they know what, they have the same discussions we have in Berlin or we have in Cologne. Um, and so it, it's a thing that is spreading. Members are coming, members are going again. But it is a thing that a lot of Europeans can relate to. Yeah, and I, I think that's a really important point because me being Irish, living in Berlin, um, it's not easy to get involved. If you're not a German person, it's not easy to get involved in politics in Germany, mm -hmm. right? Um, and in our group in Berlin, we have people from France, we have people from, from all over Europe, um, and we see that kind of pan-European um, politics evolving and emerging. Um, and we have contact, we have uh, our academies, DM academies, um, which are uh, week weekend events that we hold uh, in, across Europe um, every six months yeah. or so, where we... Um, there was know. one in Belgrade, one in Lisboa, mm. one in Cologne. Exactly, yeah. So this is from, from within DM, this, this is building. And I guess in other political movements, it's also building. Um, other political movements that will remain nameless. Um, bolt, 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 bolt. Death cult, but death I, cult, death <laughs> cult. I really think personally, like that, that um, our generation is now. I mean, is for, there's there's a European um, um, demos that's actually forming. You know that this is this yeah. is slowly emerging. Like one example I would give is that like I like I was never paid as a person. I was never paid in Irish punts. Like I, my first wages were all in euro, and that's like the same for a lot of people who are now old enough to be politically active. Like for them, 
I hate to use this phrase, but there is no alternative. Like, this is the way we are, and they don't really know anything else. Um, there's also been, like, noticeably um, left-wing parties, like the furthest left in a lot of countries, like Finland and Sweden and Denmark, have all kind of backed away from the explicitly anti-EU position they had. Mm-hmm. And the reports from all of them are the exact same. It's because the youth movement changed the position, mm. um, basically, which, again, I find really fascinating. It's too early to say whether this is the right move or not but that's certainly what is happening are, are we reclaiming uh, there is no alternative is that yes yeah we're, we're doing it there is no alternative but good <laughs> <laughs> that's probably all because of interrail tickets yeah, yeah I mean hand jobs from Spanish teenagers <laughs> Fabio De Marti made the point in, in I'm pro-European now I got a hand job at a phone party it's still your joke I'm sorry <laughs> In February 2008, uh, Fabio Masi made the joke in, uh, I believe, Freitag magazine that he said mm-hmm. we are like easy jet uh, ravers with European flags. And I think <laughs> at that time he, he had a point, but that has changed a lot. I mean, we also see the, uh, the local DSC in Berlin uh, changing, that they are coming actually work working people like or working poor, you could say. I, I, I don't want to offend anyone. But before that, I had the I had the feeling that it's more an uh, academic debate club, mm-hmm. so people would mm. speak at least two languages uh, or more than two languages, and who have an academic background and would like to discuss on a on a really high level politics and so on. And sometimes it felt like like the what was Lenin's concept, the avant-garde party. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the avant-garde party. Yeah, yeah. And I I don't have a problem with this concept, by the way. <laughs> but um, it it turned out that it's not too too engaging to, <laughs> like I I don't like to 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 speak about normal or, or ordinary people anyway because I I think I believe in the concept of Gramsci that he had with the organic intellectuals yeah. I think you mm-hmm. can find them anyway my, my father n- didn't have an education uh, whatsoever he was in the Volksschule mm. and then he mm. made his Lehre but he's like when you talk about him about European history it's he can give you an account like he was standing next to the generals in the <laughs> from Moltke or someone and he said and then Moltke said this and that and so on and it's fascinating <laughs> because He's he's really firm in that, and I think he can compete with every history teacher. There's, and there's always that special section of dad history, though. Yeah, <laughs> it's always wars. It's 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 condescending to speak about ordinary people. I think. Oh, for but, sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the Green New Deal. It kicks ass. Uh, <laughs> uh, Green New Deal for Europe. dot dot com. Dot com. Yes. Um, We'll do plugs at the end. Make sure that you guys all know where to go. There'll be dis- there'll be links in the description, so all everyone listening knows what to get, what to do, what to see, what to read. Uh, but the other thing we wanted to talk about is the technological sovereignty, which, if I understand, is like a policy paper you're releasing soonish. Yeah, I mean, we always had the. It was called uh, Internet of People, mm-hmm. which is more or less led by Renata Avila. Uh, she's one of the um, lawyers of. Julian Assange from Guatemala and she's also part of our coordinating collective and in back in 2018 she started the policy process and I think I was one of the coordinators of this process and I think it was one of the liveliest in the in recent times because the the new deal was was carved out by Yanis before and some other things were like carved out a bit but in this regard in this policy uh, area there was not much 
and we had to find out what we uh, what we are going to address and then we had a call for uh, we we fabricated a questionnaire with like 20 members and sent it out and then we got like 30 or 35 or 40 proposals back and that led to the first iteration of the policy paper which which is in this book which is an is a mistake because it was shit i mean we tried to to find the common <laughs> denominator there and it was nerdish it was uh, it was too complex it was wrong um and uh, some ideas are still there but we had a big shift from the first to the second policy paper and that is due to the member engagement we had like we had everything on a okay it was not too uh, horizontal on a github uh, repository mm. so people <laughs> who, who participated actually had to know how to how to how to operate these things but it was in the wiki part and then we kept track of every changes of everything that that people said to us and we had this uh, we have all this this video conferences all the time because when we have this thematic groups of course they are from five or six se uh, different countries and then we have this video chats and we had one with the whole group and which is called Tech technological sovereignty dsc and the second iteration was was far better and it's more or less that we we have now the third iteration which is going to be voted upon by the dear members in a few weeks i hope uh, we were a bit late because the european elections the greek elections mm. now the coordinating collective has collectively resigned and we are in the midst of of um selecting new candidates uh, but what is it all about i mean the 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 first thing we say is that democratization of Europe without democratization of technology is not longer possible. Mm -hmm. I mean, Sretko Horvath always talks about this thing that he calls like digital colonialism or that that we are fighting for sovereignty of nation states while we have this global operating companies that are actually influencing the discourse in the in the countries. And we have this Cambridge Analytica scandal that was like in the press cycle for some weeks well maybe a little bit of a, a landmark case and very like in the weeds kind of stuff where there was this huge shit about like making sure that these huge tech companies weren't involved in the repeal the eighth referendum in ireland right yeah 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 where like basically they had to i can't remember if it was a ruling but they like said they weren't just they weren't going to field any political ads i, th I think facebook and google or facebook and youtube decided yeah. to block all political advertising or something yeah, like yeah. That. but that, that was off the heels of cambridge analytica basically them just trying to wash their hands of the whole thing probably being like fuck it now we're not touching yeah. this with a 10-foot pole i mean as you can believe we had a hard time to convince uh, the members that it's that it's a value that it's an important policy because i mean we are in a time where it's now one and a half years ago where the um arbeitsministerin from germany and the republica upright denied that there would be job losses due to automation <laughs> i mean she was uh, <laughs> in, in front of a buffered audience she was saying that this is not the fucking problem and everybody that was thinking where, where you quite brave yeah. <laughs> i'm here at the conference of check out cashier workers <laughs> truck drivers and hr managers your jobs are safe <laughs> <laughs> seriously yeah i mean even uh why you say truck drivers even uh how it's his name andrew yang oh, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah shit in America, I mean, his policies are are flawed, but 
he has a point when he t when he says this, and he has this truck driver thing he can he can go on. We don't have this myth in Germany, so I don't know which group to target. We don't have truck truck drivers. We <laughs> do. What are those things? Euro Truck Simulator Two is like a fantasy game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but what are we trying to do? Uh, I mean, the the most concerns we had was like my phone is not secure, and then on the other side, people say when I talk to them, but my conversations are really flawed and why should I care about the state listening in? But I think what, what we thought one of a big problem that people don't actually know what is happening with their data, that it's not really about that someone listens in into the, your conversation, but that we are actually feeding machine learning systems in great server farms in America that then come up with a business distraction here take over the whole market and everything is gone to shit like for instance what happened with uber what happened with airbnb mm. i mean those companies they are not coming out of nowhere with with a shitty website they have like actual the data that they they have a competition advance that is then disrupting the whole market and that's it and my my girlfriend she, she told me that she's um forced by the by the spanish government to use um, Google Classroom, like before she wrote like upright emails to the to the children, but then the government of Andalusia, the Junta de Andalusia, said, "Okay, mm. we can use Google Classroom." And I was baffled because she told me she was proud that she had set it up, and I said, "Wow, you're handing over the whole curriculum of Spanish schools to an Amer American company." And that will come in five or ten years with a private schooling solution. Like what gosh. political party is in charge of Andalusia? Uh, by then it was PSOE, but then yep. it, now it's a weird coalition of Podemos. Uh, no, uh, Ciudadanos, uh, PP, and Vox. Uh, Vox, Vox is in confidence and supply in Andalusia. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Hey, uh, Andalusia is historically like a left-wing stronghold. It's yeah, usually yeah, I know. But yeah. like last election, the, because the last election in Andalusia was what everyone in Sp caused people to pay attention to Vox in Spain. Okay. It was like they did well in Andalusian elections, yeah. and they got this huge national coverage. And then lo and behold, they did well in the other oh, elections. Right. Um, yeah, my my sister teaches. Uh, English in Andalusia. She oh, okay. has stories. Yeah. Well. <laughs> well, that's all going to change once Google re-educates the youth of Andalusia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, It's not that that it was a bad policy. I think that simply doesn't care. That simply don't care. It's literally the <laughs> sorry. It's literally the fucking episode of The Simpsons where they see the school of the future and they're looking at the periodic table, being like, uh, "How many taste ons Is it a Pepsi?" <laughs> yeah, true. Oh my god. <laughs> Um, but like, yeah, because this whole the Google Google classroom thing that that's that's going hand in hand with the like charter school stuff happening in the states as well. Like, and there's like no public schools in the state of Louisiana anymore. I think it is no. Yeah, the entire oh. state is like a hundred percent charter schools. When that like last time we were in Arizona, like suddenly popping up a lot of charter schools. Oh yeah, because Phoenix, they don't actually yeah. have to work either. You can just get a like you, like it's uh yeah. it's like uh, if if PPPs existed for schools. Nice. So you're propped up by taxpayer money and you can pretty much keep it if it fails because you have like a like a thing with startups. You have like what is it, like the six month period where you can fail. Yeah. And then you can like because like what a lot of them will do in Europe is they'll like open up a bunch of startups everywhere in Europe and whichever one is the most successful, they'll keep it open and they close the other ones. But so, yeah, they have that kind of like like mentality with with those schools. But no, yeah, Louisiana because of uh, Hurricane Katrina. Yeah, 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 yeah. I guess all these schools are broken. Well, yeah. How about we put in new shitter schools? 
Yeah. <laughs> we did it. Actually, I mean, yeah. That's, you, first you need a shark and then you implement like... like <laughs> cue... Uni, I don't read, all right? <laughs> cue the like nonstop Milton Friedman clips know, talking about yeah. how great it is when disasters happen exactly, so that you can make exactly. money. Exactly, yeah. Bill Gates is also a huge proponent of charter schools and he sweeps oh, into yeah. disaster parts of Africa and promotes yeah. them as well. Yeah. Like, hey, definitely. he's a humanitarian, okay? He is. And those, he plays the saxophone. Those <laughs> Ebola survivors in West Africa need very poorly functioning, overly digitalized schools. Wait, did you say that, that, that he plays saxophone? That's Bill Clinton. I thought we were talking about Bill. No, Bill, Gla- Bill, <laughs> Bill Gates. But now I'm imagining them but into one person. But did you say Clinton? No, I no, said Bill Gates. Okay. <laughs> he said. See, he said. Oh, did I? I thought. Yes, right. Bill did. Gates. Bill Gates does this. Well, Bill Clinton probably does something maybe. very similar. Yeah, I'm sure. I was about to it's say. It's like, like that, but with like with me. arms deals to Saudi Arabia. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, cool. All right, back to the... <laughs> th- Thanks for asking me about our solutions for this problem. <laughs> yeah. So it's a threefold solution, like Janis would say. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, we have the GDPR in, in uh, the European Union, which is a good thing, but it's like like Renata Avila says, it's as- like giving aspirin to a cancer pa- patient. Like it's it's not fully addressing the problem. It's in the right direction. Hang on, um, is giving aspirin to a cancer patient even slightly addressing the problem? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, most people don't know the the e privacy regulation, which is more or less a regulation that is based on the GDPR and that is was supposed to be implemented this year but still isn't implemented as far as i know and there uh, this was a thing that was watered down by by the european commission but we have some um like caveats no how you say amendments to that for instance it's uh, uh, the privacy by default and design like you you would expect of an elevator to actually work when you buy it and not be unsecure. But when you buy a mobile device or or a digital device, it's unsecure by design and by default. And we want this to change. We want like um, how you say when you when you click these boxes, it's consent, like mm-hmm. like yeah. meaningful consent, and not like um, take it or leave it consent, which mm-hmm. makes no sense. I see also the problem of people getting annoyed by being asked all the time about having these things but but this is one thing that is crucial and we we believe for instance that location-based services can be computed in your device without having to talk to the server all the time so all these things we don't believe so much some of our dsc does in consumer activism like uh, for instance tactical tech has this data detox set where you can like in a five-day program make your phone safe and so on but we don't think this is addressing the problem as a whole because yeah. there are a lot of problems with that. One problem is that when you're actually in a country where dissidents are uh, sought after, then you are the only person that using dec- encryption. You are an easy target for everyone. Yeah. So the more people use it, the better. And actually, most people, as, my, as uh, the example of my girlfriend uh, showed, and don't really have the time in their daily life to to have all these things in check. Uh, no, of course and not. We believe in in regulation and in um, uh, on the European level and in investment on the European level. One thing we ask for is, is platform interoperability. 
which is not to be confused with messenger interoperability because some people made the point that when all the messengers have the lowest common denominator like for instance uh, whatsapp yeah. and you are like to communicate with signal or wire you have to go down to to when you talk to people on on whatsapp uh, now it's encrypted but there are some issues with that then you're forced to 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 leave the secure standards of your provider to communicate with another one but it actually makes sense with um, social media services like um, when you can for instance without having a Facebook account um, channel your tweet to uh, to Facebook and then addressing an, another audience there without being a member of Facebook and this, uh, there are actually some really good ideas by the World Wide Web group, the V3 group, and we we embrace that. And this is all the like basic technical level we want to have as a legislation covered. And but there is a vision behind that. Um, one thing is is we believe in data unions, like we we call the users or consumers uh, data producers, because. Not only when you use Facebook, as we all know, you produce valuable data that then the company is using yeah. for harvesting the, the, the eyeballs. <laughs> but actually, if you are an Uber driver or a Fedora career, you are like delivering the data that maybe one day make your job uh, superficial <laughs> or superfluous. Um, you're delivering this data to your, to your company. Mm. And there's also this thing about um, uh, I mean, also liberals believe in that you have, um, I don't know how, what this is called, sorry. When you have some experience in your work, you gain like uh, credits, like people know he has done this job and he has mm -hmm. done this job. Yeah. I can hire him for the next like one. On LinkedIn? It's called clout. Like, <laughs> 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 no, yeah. like, but like points on LinkedIn, yeah. for example. Yeah. Like yeah. Someone yeah. can say, oh, he d has done that. But in, in real life, it happens. Yeah. Like if yeah. you know a, a plumber, you, yeah, you yeah. talk him, uh, you, you call him again. Yeah. But actually, when you're working, for instance, for, for Fudora, mm -hmm. you don't own this. And you when you leave for Fudora... Your rating, even if you if you have been a good driver, it's yeah. it's worth nothing because it's it doesn't yeah. it doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the company. Yeah. My calves look really good, though. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> and the thing to address this is is data unions or or me, um, mechanism for collective redress with uh, with those companies, mm -hmm. or um, like we believe strongly in um, what cooperatives like platform cooperatives. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We, we had this uh, event on 3rd of May and we invited uh, uh, some people from... There's a, there's a SoundCloud alternative, uh, which oh. is... Uh, I for forgot the name, but it's, it's a cooperative. And there is this um, alternative to Amazon, which is mm -hmm. called... Oh, God, I, f I keep forgetting those names. A bookshop. It's a bookshop. It's the alternative to Amazon. Oh, it's the right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, yo. It's, it's an Amazon. You can walk into a digital platform, um, w yeah. which, which believes in, in worker owning this thing. And, and yeah. the people on the board are actual people who work for the company or, or, or the, the companies they work with, the product they're selling. And okay, this kicks ass. I'm sorry. Yeah, this, this, is, this rules. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, platform cooperatives is, is a thing we believe in. Mm. And in the far future, we believe like this is a concept that comes from the city of Barcelona. They have this um, uh, 
as you know, this municipal government of Barcelona is really, really... Um, oh, Ado Calo's government, the, they're, yeah. they're radical municipalists. Yeah, and yeah, they're yeah, working yeah. with like Francesca Bria, which is a really smart person. And mm -hmm. they have the idea that... Brave cities? Brave cities, yeah, smart cities. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Smart and organic cities. <laughs> <laughs> and they have this idea that you have this home stored data storage that is actually at home and maybe in an encrypted cloud. And you can select smart rules. Like, for instance, a smart rule would be when you are sick, it gives away your medical data. Or when you have a medical emergency, then it gives mm -hmm. your medical data to the designated companies. Or another smart rule would be that I am a photographer, but I only give my photos away to cooperatives that, like, if you're doing food photos, to local cooperatives that, that are restaurants or so on. And if you make, like the things I mentioned before as valid policy points so that, that we have leveled the playing field again and then implement those things, then people would actually use those things when they can rely that, that the things they use, the, their data is encrypted and they can select smart rules that make sense for them. But this is something like long-term solution we think about. This is the whole chapter I had to coordinate. There are more, but <laughs> Apparently. I, I think I talked too much already. So no, this, no, yeah, this, but this super interesting. Yeah. Uh, I especially like the I especially like to know about this Amazon cooperative. That sounds like something mm -hmm. I should do because it was like people tried to boycott Amazon, and it was doable for the two Prime Days and stuff like yeah. that. That's very easy to do, but like. One of the big ones used to be, you know, oh, get your books from Book Depository. Oh, no, they bought that. Shit. Mm. Uh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's that, that would be good to know about. You touched on it a bit, but just to, like, continue the conversation. Um, to what extent, like, do they, I mean, you mentioned um, uh, transnational companies, like multinationals. But what, how is Europe, a European project, better suited to tackle these problems than um, a country like a specific country one I mean is it uh, like how how are these couldn't one argue that these reforms are better implemented through state legislatures for example rather than through the machinations of a of something um, on a on a European level or is it just coordinating between countries to like what how does DM envision this like the rollout of their of the policy but in all these different ways but isn't there already like a lot of this shit Sorry, um, decided on a European level, like for example, our data law that we GDPR, have. Yeah, 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 exactly, and it goes like it, it goes away from the nation state and and them deciding on it to this like um, multilateral decision process. I don't know. Yeah, yeah that we have in the EU. So. It it kind of, I guess it would depend on how you view these laws. I think the current state of affairs they would view them as consumer protection laws in mm. which case that yeah it's not like yeah. you can like go to poland and like have like your perfect catholic internet or whatever <laughs> <laughs> it is it is just listen it to is already maria <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah it is already like pretty centralized like the like yeah. i mean we are aiming for a digital single market so it doesn't really make sense yeah. to have nationally yeah see uh, yeah. inflation on that uh i found out the name of the companies it's uh, yeah. the Platform cooperative for music streaming is Resonate.is and the company of Felix Witt is called Fermondo.de. Fermondo. Fermondo. Fermondo, I've heard of that before. Yeah, Wait. me too. Why? That's, uh, that's to replace Amazon or the alternative. Uh, yeah, to replace yeah. It's actually working. It's it's not big, but they encourage like, um, they have options to sort like vegan food, vegetarian food. They are looking at their uh, carbon dioxide 
balance and so on yeah. and the most important thing is that that the suppliers and the people who work in the company actually have a say in the board yeah like yeah. it's the cooperative thing <laughs> yeah. um yeah we we introduced some rights we want to have it's for instance i always have to look this up um the right to encryption the right to computation defined as the right of unconditional and unlimited access to public computing resources and infrastructures mm. and the right to an algorithmic algorithmic opt-out which is really interesting because but how am I going to get my Ben Shapiro videos? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like literally, like there's uh, uh, there's going to be a big problem of like like if that were to to exist, off, if yeah. you could then like opt out of the YouTube algorithm, that would be just a a, a a massive shock to the you know neo-Nazi YouTube community. Oh that, no! <laughs> I know, right? You know who's who's going to be defending them? Like. I don't know. Like this sounded good until then. Like we know, say we're uh, socialists, but we just cut thousands I, of jobs <laughs> into right wing drifters. <laughs> I, I never thought about YouTube then, but more like like those medical advice. Uh, platforms. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, stuff that probably matters way more. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or where where you just can choose to to know if you're actually talking to a human or to a machine, and. If you prefer a machine, you can say, I want an algorithm or I want a human. I want a machine. <laughs> and you have a right to know uh, the entity that you're interacting with, I, I think. I just want to add a little bit to that because it's, it's really funny because I used to help write responses for bots. And one of the most common questions you get is, are you a robot and are you a bot? A lot of people just don't realize you could just program a machine to say no. <laughs> 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 it's very easy. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of these weird text adventures I played as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> it always said when when the father didn't get it, dunkel ist der Sinn deiner Worte, yeah. <laughs> which is yeah. like mysticism for I don't understand what you're fucking saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, to the next chapter. There is this. Um, we have this lawyer from Brussels in the group, Joran de Wachter, and he has written a, a lot of interesting things about IP rights and copyrights. Mm -hmm. Of course, we endorse the whole. Um, Creative Commons thing. Renata mm Avila -hmm. is also in the board of Creative Commons. Oh, okay. um, but we also have this policy or po policy guideline that says uh, public money, public code, or when something is financed collectively, it doesn't have to end up like private for private mm -hmm. um, use. And this is touching a lot of things. Uh, like we we are seeking in. For example, we don't want tax exemptions on intellectual property rights because this is a thing. Like Joran used to say that uh, intellectual property is not actual property because it, intellectual property doesn't enable you to do something that you own. It just disables other people to use this stuff. So it's 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 like a negative yeah, right. Yeah, that's like literally mm -hmm. been like, the thing I always was so confused about in like economics lectures is that just getting this like thing about like a lecture about why internet in, intellectual property is good for the market, but it actually like <laughs> makes competition not happen. Yeah. So it actually then capitalism like... wouldn't want intellectual property rights then. If you like, no, I think the the issue with intellectual property and and Marx wrote about this in the in the yeah. machine fragment yeah. that 
basically intellectual property is not scarce. Yeah. And in order exactly. for capitalism to work, you need scarcity. Yeah. Exactly. So intellectual yeah. property is injecting artificially scarcity into something yeah. that isn't yeah. scarce. Yeah. Because yeah. if you had if, if you if you like if you actually had like a, a, a what like 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 a true free market situation, then you'd mm-hmm. be able to make copies of everything. And like, capitalism would break down. Exactly. Well, this is this socialism is with Chinese characteristics. Xi Jinping, I know you're listening in. We stand you. Where's my phone? <laughs> yeah, where's, where's my phone? <laughs> Talk into the Huawei phone. We, we love you, King. Huawei. <laughs> we love you. Shout out to Xi Jinping. He says, "What's up?" Um, He's actually a very right wing member of his party. Shh! Don't tell him that. <laughs> don't break the dream. Yeah. Um, Watch now, like all the weird like. Tankies who love China are just going to come after Yulia on Twitter. Well, they should, like, maybe vote for the other faction of the party. I don't know. What? These are, or, like, people in the West who love I know, China. I know. I mean, oh. favor yeah. them. Not yeah. Okay, <laughs> never mind. Keep, keep going. Sorry. Yeah. But, uh, to kind of go on to it, though, like, this was something weird that, like, the pirate party, we all remember that movement, did, like, correctly latch on to because the response from capitalists to um, piracy as well as just, like, the fact that there's just, like, no scarcity. Like, they just had to outright lie. The whole, like, the ads in the UK and Ireland of, like, you wouldn't steal a handbag. I was like, no, <laughs> but if my friend got you a new handbag... You wouldn't steal a baby. <laughs> you wouldn't steal a baby. No, but it's like, you wouldn't steal a car. I was like, well, no, but if my friend got a new car and he could make me a free copy of the car exactly. while keeping his original <laughs> car, that'd be pretty sick. <laughs> like, awesome. that'd be so cool. Um... But, like, I, I often encounter a couple of people who are, like, huge Star Trek fans like myself who believe that there is, like, we can capitalism our way to Star Trek. Yeah. And I was like, but if that was the case, we should all have every book. Like, ebooks, everyone could just have all the ebooks. Yeah, well, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. like, that's like Paul Mason's argument. With yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. Yeah. Um, but no, just on, on one more thing about China, sorry. Like, the thing <laughs> with the, you know, because you're talking about them, like, I'm copying your car. Yeah. Like, it's just so funny looking up all the lawsuits that then China's gotten from, like, BMW or yeah. from, like, v, from every car company that they, they, they literally just rip off their cars. And China's like, okay, we'll take it to court, but we're going to take it to court in our courts. And they're like, yeah, we didn't do anything wrong. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's the, uh, we, we it's looked the coolest o- move. Uh, we looked over it, and it turns out it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not only cars they have like copied whole cities like, yeah it's, come, it's like come to cities there's that, that like, World of Warcraft theme park in China where they just do not own the rights to anything World of Warcraft awesome. it's so cool <laughs> they literally it. copied an Apple store I only found out I about it because, I only found out about it because a chi- an old very confused Chinese woman started sitting down beside one of the like um, fucking main characters from World of Warcraft like this high elf or whatever and started praying to it <laughs> Like, oh no! <laughs> this is the worst world. We've created the worst world. There's a lot of confusion with this intellectual property thing. I, I saw an interview uh, two, four or five days ago in in the ZDF Follicana magazine, which I don't look, but I work there. And there was <laughs> they were talking about Amazon had some birthday, or I don't know, or Jeff Bezos made another trillion. Uh, but they they covered it and just then made another trillion or something. <laughs> <laughs> also, like it. it's my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was they the, when they invite economic people, it's usually someone from a university of applied science in fucking nowhere, like Freiburg or or, or Bonn. And this guy was from heard I don't know uh, <laughs> Solingen, <laughs> and he said. Yeah, and Amazon is actually an innovation <laughs> machine. They have ninety five patents this year. 
Woo! Good job, Kings! Whose innovation is this? I mean, on yeah. the one hand, it's probably just some CSS they patented or some some weird JavaScript idea they had, and nobody can use it. So, yeah. Yeah. who's benefiting from those innovations? Uh, does it also count ones that just like bought from other people? Like, because Amazon will just like like or Facebook or whoever it is. Um, like one of the biggest ones was like uh, Instagram, for example. Just Facebook, you know, takes that and that becomes then part of Facebook. So if Instagram had any, you know, patents, those are now Facebook's patents. Yeah. So is it also like that too? That just like Amazon was like, oh, that's a cool idea from X startup or whatever that then just is literally gunning just to be bought by Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm going to to have a patent patent on company mergers. Yeah. And every time a company merges, I I own the money. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> that that exists as like a career in the states yeah, of yeah. like uh, patent trolls, mm -hmm. people who just make these incredibly vague patents and then use it to sue whoever the yeah. fuck when it, something remotely like it happens. Yeah, that's a point that Joran makes that that um, patents used to come from the downstream aspect of technology to the upstream aspect of technology, meaning that that it's not the actual application that is patented, but a vague idea. That someone was he always says that someone was having a patent in Australia for the reinvention of the wheel or something like that. <laughs> Australia. They need that there probably. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and. You mentioned uh, uh, you. I forgot something. The antitrust um, things we have uh, worked out, like usually companies uh, have those tax evasion models and and they have those GmbHs in every country, and so um, normal antitrust measures don't really grasp them. But there is uh, there are ideas also in the SPD to have network effects um, taken into account when you look at corporate mergers like the one you just mentioned, what is happening with the data sets when someone buys Instagram and what is ha ha happening with all the patents they have and so on. And and network effects is like when you use this thing, the more you use it, you, you, the more you are um, like uh, relying on the, on the thing and you can't leave anymore. And the more people use it, the more valuable it becomes. And that's, it's, it's the opposite thing of competition, as you mentioned before. So you will have those big players, and it, it's, it's there's a tendency to have uh, only one winner, winner takes it all mentality in this. It's almost like monopolies are like a really normal thing. That <laughs> yeah, happen. we're told that they're not supposed to, but I'm I'm I don't know if I buy that. <laughs> to wrap this up, the last thing is just an idea of a European um, uh, platform where people can actually um, point money from the U. How is this program called? Horizon Europe 2020. Horizon 2020. Yeah. 2020. And, yeah. and actually people can actually upload like crowdsourced ideas and, and have like play money that is like every country, for uh, instance, had 2% of the overall budget and can then appoint that to, to projects they believe in or they yeah. want to. Just to explain Horizon 2020 mm. real quick, it's an EU fund that is there for research, development and innovation. Oh, cool. So, yeah. Yeah, and of course you can like bundle this with the, with the G and G yeah. for Europe <laughs> and say this those things have to be like um, adding up to the to the Green New Deal that we are mm -hmm. uh, like pledging to. I'm just really happy too that we've gone in all this technological discussion and have not brought up blockchain until Kieran just <laughs> mentioned it about it. putting the corn laws on the yeah, blockchain. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So, <laughs> 
Like, I like that... For too long, the Tories and the Whigs have been divided. <laughs> <laughs> but in all seriousness, like, I'm not very, like... I mean, like, I'm as technologically, you know, savvy as pretty much, you know, anyone else in my generation. Like, I know how a computer works. I can do, like, you know, this you and that and the other. But, like, the actual, like, beyond that, um, I... Um, not that, like, I'm illiterate. I just kind of, like, don't care at that point, you know? So, like, then being able to then, like, process all this information and being able to, like, understand it is really helpful for me. Unlike when you come across something like blockchain that's like, oh, it's like everyone has this, you know, wallet thing and then you all participate it and you just, like, you end up in these, like, fucking, like, crackpot, you know, what just seem like multi-level marketing schemes and just everyone's just, like, looking at you glassy Seems like. <laughs> they all, like, entirely. <laughs> but then you just have, like, some, like, glassy-eyed weirdo at the end of the day just, like, telling you how he, like, invested all of his life savings in, like, blockchain for, like... You know, waifus or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Hashtag like. Hodel Gang. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Um, yeah, I, I, I think also that comes down to the point of like a lot of the problems with the tech space is that I, I would broadly say is the libertarians got there first. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> and that because you can put your really, waifu on the blockchain. Because you can put your waifu on the blockchain. It really fucking sucks. Your 14-year-old waifu, goddammit, <laughs> libertarians, get your shit together. Um but like the I I think the whole issue was there was this this huge like utopian idea like it's in the paper the California ideology of like homesteading on the digital frontier. Um this is all very 90s shit. But like that idea left this space for it to be very libertarian so solutions anything privacy has always been like ah just you know install this on your phone or you know you set up your own encryption which will not work for the majority of people because the majority of people like can barely use their fucking email um like i love the whole thing of like people over the age of 40 will end their instant messages with full stops and it scares anyone <laughs> under the age of 40 be like, why are they so mad at me? <laughs> um, I'm just imagining them like sending messages like how telegrams used to be sent. Yeah, like stop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, we have taken Tehran. Stop. Yeah. But, <laughs> they wish. Um, <laughs> but like that whole won't work because yeah, like people won't understand how to use this stuff. They don't realize what the problem is. Or if they do, they're not motivated. There's probably some more material circumstances in their lives that they're probably taking their attention right away. And then there's also, you know, the usual politician case of single woman with three kids that have the fuck, like, does she give a shit about, like, her, what her WhatsApp is doing? Yeah. So, I mean, you're always forced to do this reductio ad absurdum thing that you blow up uh, one thing, one and special thing to, to ridiculous proportions. And then you're criticizing, you're being criticized for making like these statements, but you actually has, have to do it because people simply don't care about these things. Yeah. If you don't like mention killer robots or th things like that. Um, I appreciate you bringing up the homesteading analogy because it actually clarified, I mean, w not to sh like shoehorn a connection between these two topics, but I do think they are, they connect in some way. Because if I think about what, in society I'm most like alienated from how it's produced is basically data and energy, right? Like food shows up and it, it ju it's just there. It's always coming. <laughs> the energy is always there and the data always works. 
and he comes from Gaia, actually. So. <laughs> and these it things, and also the food. Gaia. <laughs> um, we, we just we, we thank Gaia every day for energy and food that is on our plates. But this, pro- be quiet this process, this <laughs> sort of this deal that uh, you're going to keep getting this stuff has not been done with our consent, like you said. It is it is done outside of any control that we have, any sort of democratic process that we have over energy or data or food. And and why I think the homesteading analogy is, is a good one is because it is based on this, I think quite literally in the terms of climate, like a colonial framework and in data, um, you could say a semi-colonial or metaphorically colonial. Well, if, you term, if you're talking about how smartphones are actually made, then colonial. Yeah. But... Like uh, the Green New Deal in the U.S. is something we can't. Uh, I know we don't have time to get into, but the Green New Deal in the U.S. Uh, I know it's in its sort of early stages, but Alexandra Ocasio Cortez, when she's doing videos about it, talk spends like a few minutes on decolonization, which is kind of wild to think about that that's something in the discourse. But of course, any sort of process that tries to like reclaim agency over it, any sort of project that tries to reclaim agency over this process has to engage with the fact of how this process grew to be, which in the U.S is tied a lot with colonization. And I do think it's not a stretch to say things like data and energy also, whether whether literally or metaphorically, are also these kind of colonial processes that we can that we have to confront, address, and recreate in, de- in a democratic manner. Namaste. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm here for. Just p- picking up on that, that's also one of the points, one of the 10 points in the Green New Deal for Europe. And, and that's the key thing that we talk about to differentiate that between uh, our plan between uh, with other plans that that this inequality issue and not just within Europe but also you know as you said between global north and global south like Sweden can't keep just sending all their rubbish to Jakarta and just say we're done we're a green country now it's all gone to Indonesia I literally got an ad today for going like go to Oslo it's the most green city in Europe (laughs) and I I had like I mean their entire wealth comes from drilling oil yeah Yeah. you gotta like fuck out of here they're Europe's fucking like drug dealer with a really nice apartment <laughs> like, I don't get high on my own supply <laughs> I'll happily sell it to you fuckers um, should we wrap up yeah, we're, yeah. we're at 145 you ask us how we wanted to change Europe I say come to our next meeting the Berlin DSC we have a Berlin oh, we have a worldwide audience right so visit dm25.org become a member engage in the forum Select me as member of the coordinating collective. No, I'm not running. Select me as president. Write in Kieran Dold. Um, it's really hard to spell. You do Alt E and Greece. then A to get the accent mark. <laughs> have have some Greek food. Uh, Greek food in your in your locals. Uh, how you say it? grocery <laughs> taverns? If you have your some. local Nicks. Yeah. <laughs> Get yeah. your Nick. Yeah. Yeah. That's all you need. Get your Greek Gerald. <laughs> and also uh, read the book. Uh, a book about modern monetary theory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fucking educate yourselves. Yeah. Anyone? So shout there, out. To any everything? other plugs or um, yeah. yeah? Anything, anything else? else you want the yeah. listeners at home? We we have like uh, pan European audience. And we have a worldwide Yanks audience. Well. Yeah. 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 Go to Swing Burger. They have this uh, this common <laughs> thing, <laughs> thing and, and they're doing did really you, good things because the numbers are running up all the time. Did you make up that name, Swing Burger? No, no, it's actually a thing. Uh, they they have vegan burgers and they have this uh, this counter where they say how much kilograms of carbon dioxide they have 
Folks, are you tired of going to the burger office? <laughs> <laughs> are, you, are you doing... Uh, um, I'd read, no. <laughs> uh, <you know. laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, the part of the reason I'm asking about the whole European project is because we are an English language podcast based in Berlin. We are kind of... If you want to do anything political, Ooh. our whole existence is inextricable from some sort of uh, pan-European project, right? So. Yeah. Please do not speak <laughs> German to me. <laughs> <laughs> we will make sure that, that some Horizon 2020 money goes your way. Yeah! <laughs> oh, wow, that'll go great next door. Because Mike, you said too much. <laughs> do we need an audit officer for that? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> GNDforeurope.com. Check it out. All the details of, uh, of the Green New Deal for Europe plan are on there. Um, the supporters, the pledge, the paper, the policy paper we're working on at the moment, it'll be released... Uh, in September, in time for the climate strike. And it'll be on that website as well. It'll be on that website. Yeah. Yeah. And the Technological Sovereignty DSC has a Twitter account, and, and you will find it in the show notes. Okay, well. Well, thank you guys for swinging by. It was an absolute pleasure how we're going to take down the globalists here in Europe. I hope that we can defend Europa. Um, uh, next week, we'll have Matteo Salvini on. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Uh, just absolute pleasure to be talking with the DM25 guys. Um, that is DM, uh, Democracy in Europe. 25 is the highest number that I can count to. And we will see you next week. Remember, uh, take your brain blast. <laughs> your Jimmy Neutron supplements. Oh, ciao. Yeah. Ciao, ciao, motherfucker. All right, see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.